views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations. We welcome you to our show today. My name is Brother Jumoke Ise Tayo. I currently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative of Encobra, uh, and in this capacity, a host for Conversation Reparations, uh, twice a month podcast um, brought to you by Encobra, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. In today's topic, we're going to be discussing the Afro-descendant nation, unity, self-determination, and reparations. And um, we have a guest on the line that's going to break that down for you and share the history and what they are doing and how they invite you to become a part of this process. So, as we have begun our shows in the new tradition of giving you some news, we're going to, wow, this is actually interesting. I didn't even think about how these these two stories I'm about to share actually are interrelated. <laughs> so anyway, so this first article is, says, the call for reparations to compensate for the enslavement of black people in America has been long ignored. Local organizations from coast to coast have taken the task of redistributing thousands of dollars to black people. This is a controversial subject, but it's in the news, and more and more um, groups are, are doing this, raising money in the name of reparations, distributing it to in our community. Um, the article goes, at an extended stay hotel on the outskirts of Louisville, Kentucky, Kanisha Carey stepped outside to get some air. Carey and her five children had been evicted from their home in West Louisville in February 2020 because she couldn't pay rent after losing her job. The family had been moving between temporary housing for months. At that point, Carrie was struggling with anxiety and depression, the domino effect of life, she says. Finally, <coughs> alone that evening in July 2020, 
she typed a message on Facebook to her friend, Chanel Helm, a community organizer asking for help. Carrie said her message said something like this, something along the lines of, I don't know how, I don't know if I'm going to be alive for the rest of the day, close quote. Within minutes, she received a response. Helm wanted to help. Helm could pay her rent, groceries, and transportation for as long as it took Carrie to get back on her feet. The money Carrie eventually learned came from a Louisville organization called Reparations Roundtable. The group is one of a small cohort that has popped up in recent years that are using social media to crowdsource funds to distribute to black people and calling these efforts a form of reparations, especially through the pandemic and the racial justice movement efforts like Reparations Roundtable have been expanding and can now process thousands of dollars a month. Such groups coordinate dozens of volunteers and boards of directors. One has has even registered as a nonprofit. And so I was, <clears throat> and there's, there's a lot more to that article, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, uh, and COBRA really hasn't taken a, a official position on these organizations. I think at some point we're going to need to uh, or speak to these um organizations that are that are using reparations and raising money to support people's needs. Uh, one thing I think they should do in addition to that is that they should also use some of those funds and co- commit to the reparations movement, the larger, broader reparations movement, and, 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 and that would be one way that they would have more integrity, in my opinion. But, and like I said, the interesting thing about this article, which I didn't realize was in... Um, which I'll say, um, connected to this next article, which is the sister lives right outside of Louisville, and one of the articles I had pulled today, didn't realize, also talks about what's happening in terms of Louisville on a different level in terms of reparations. So here's what some local and state leaders think about reparations in Louisville. A proposed resolution from two Louisville Metro Council members will put the city on record as supporting a federal reparations bill. We like that. The question of how how to compensate descendants of slavery draws a variety of responses from community leaders and residents. Councilwoman Paula McCraney of the 7th District and Councilman Jacory Arthur of the 4th District are sponsoring a resolution to, quote, fervently and unequivocally, unquote, support a federal reparations program and H.R. 40, which would create a commission to study, quote, slavery and discrimination in the colonies and in the United States from 1619 to the present and recommend appropriate remedies, unquote. In April, the House Judiciary Committee voted 25 to 17 to advance the federal legislation, and although President Joe Biden has expressed support for H.R. 40, it could face challenges to pass and overcome a potential filibuster in the evenly divided Senate. And we've talked about that many times. And this gives some background information about H.R. 40. I wanted to scan through this a little bit to um, some more. One of the things that, that's interesting about this article, it talks about um, Rand Paul and um, his Raul Cunningham, president of the NAACP Louisville branch, said he supports H.R. 40 simply because that bill is the first bill attempting to bring different thoughts around reparations, come together, and have an honest discussion on what we think reparations should be. You can ask 20 different African Americans, and you'll get 20 different opinions about what reparations should be. 
there is no general consensus Cunningham said but I would not object to a Ukrainian often introduce legislation because if the government gave me 40 acres and a mule I, I wouldn't know what <laughs> what what I didn't even read that what the hell to do with the mule close quote anyway we um, that's what that's the NAACP for you so anyway we're going to focus on some people who have some concrete ideas about how do we move reparations and what the end game would look like and I'm going to um, bring on the line now the Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Afro-Descended Nations, uh, Minister Rashan Shabazz, and he's going to tell you a little bit about the history of the word first Afro-Descended and why that is so important, and then also how it evolved into the Afro-Descended Nation and the work that they're currently doing. Um, Brother Rashan? Yes, sir, can you hear me? Assalamu alaikum. Good evening, Jamoke, and good evening, Mr. Uh, uh, Jamoke, I appreciate you uh, allowing us to come on. Uh, we have a long-standing relationship, and, uh, uh, yeah. uh, and and thank you for taking the stand that you take, you know, for fighting for our rights, fighting for self-determination, fighting for reparations, and, and I appreciate it. One of the things you touched on, you talked about how reparations is becoming that household name now. More people are getting involved in reparations. Uh, if you notice, people are a lot more conscious than they used to be. People are waking up. People are, are, are coming back to who they originally were. And what that is, Jamoke, and listening audience, that is a general resurrection. In other words, that is a recapturing or becoming reacquainted with your original identity and spirit. It's the mental or spiritual awareness or achievement of mind and soul while living. That's what you see. We are a lot more aware than we used to be. Uh, we're, we're focused on things like self-determination, like reparations. This conversation we're having tonight, this is a general resurrection. But not only for us here in, in uh, uh, the United States, throughout the whole slavery diaspora, this is an international thing, this, this general resurrection. And reparations is an, is an international issue because many of our people in the slavery diaspora were affected as well. For instance, if you look at Brazil, the primary language of Brazil is Portuguese. You look at other parts of South America, such as Peru and Central America, the primary language is Spanish. Here we speak English. Those are not our original languages. Our original language was forcibly taken. The original, some of the original languages, of the, many of them in Africa, are, are such languages such as what, Arabic, Swahili, Yoruba, Hausa, Zulu, on and on and on. So this is an international issue reparations, and the awareness and the awakening, and that's coming back to self, is the general resurrection. And I want to touch on Afro-descendant, uh, 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 which is also a part of the general resurrection. Uh, that is not, uh, that term has been used before by some countries in South America. Uh, the Honorable Silas Muhammad uh, has been going to the United Nations for some years now fighting on our behalf of reparations. Uh, his first intervention, I think, was back in 1994, if I'm not mistaken. But upon him going to the United Nations and making the argument, we learned that the United, the United Nations did not see us as a separate nation. They saw us all as one here in America. And we know that there are two different nations, that we were a different nation. Uh, um, and not only that, you see that in the Constitution, 
We were three-fifths of a man. We were two different nations. They took us from our homeland. Once Mr. Silas Muhammad made that argument, and they saw they were two different nations, they weren't quite sure what to do. They didn't know where we fit. We did not exist politically as a people in the United Nations. And we know that reparations is something that's paid from a government to another government. But we didn't exist as a government, as a nation, in their eyes politically. So what the United Nations did is, is they held a forum in La Ciba, Honduras in 2002, and there were 19 different delegates, or delegates from 19 different companies, com- countries such as Canada, Latin America, Argentina, Bolivia, on and on and on, Panama, Paraguay. And collectively, they came up with the term Afro-descendant. Some of the countries were already using it. So for the first time, we decided who we were. We didn't let the United States determine who we were, African-American, Negro, what have you, on and on. We collectively chose Afro-descendant. And so now we'll recognize our political identity is Afro-descendant. And, and, and so we are the Afro-descendant government. All right, all right. Um, and then do you have the uh, definition? I understand that um, Silas Muhammad, you know, like the, um, the different yes, that countries were already using Afro-descendant, and then so he decided to clarify it so we have like a, a definition of, of what it is. Do you have that available? For yeah, I do. And, and thank you, Jamoke, for reminding me of that. I have it in front of me. No I problem. just glossed right over it. I appreciate it. Okay. No the definition problem. of Afro-descendant. The term Afro-descendant refers to the descendants of people who were forcibly dispossessed of their homeland Africa. Number two, were transported to the Americas and slavery diaspora for the purpose of enslavement. Three, were subjected to slavery. Four, were subjected to forced mixed breeding and rape. Five, have experienced through force the loss of mother tongue, culture, and religion. And number six, and or have experienced racial discrimination due to lost ties or partially lost ties from their original identity. And you can find these definitions on our website on the uh, afrodescendant.org, afrodescendant.org, or our Facebook page. If you just look up uh, go to Facebook and, and search for Afro-Descendant Nation Official. And then look for the, our emblem, which is the scales, the umbrella at, on top of the scales. And we have the, those definitions there and additional information, as well as contact information. Thank you, Jamoke. Okay. Sure, great. Well, let's see if we have um, some of our other guests on and bring them into this conversation. Is um, Pastor Victoria on? Um, no, I do Pastor not Victoria. see. I'm sorry, I do not see her number that you provided me on the board. If she had to call in from okay. a different number, she should press one. But uh, we do have uh, Mr. Rashawn Shabazz on. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, you okay? I'd like to touch on something else. Minister Raheem. If I, if I can. Minister okay. Raheem is on? Yes. Okay. I, I believe go, go, um, go Mr. Shabazz uh, wanted Mr. to Rashawn, add something. To, mm-hmm. yeah, one point I, I wanted to make, I heard you mention uh, uh, NAACP and H.R. 40. Uh, uh, and H.R. 40 has been in, in Congress forever. But this is not 
a domestic issue. That's civil rights. This is human rights. This is this is uh, to, to be held, dealt with internationally. And and when you think about it, do you want to go to the perpetrator, the same person that wrongs you, and think that he's going to make it right? This is an international issue. This is not a domestic issue. And so I just wanted to point that out. So if you're looking for HR 40 to be, you know, provide a solution reparations, this is international. It should be taken to the world court, and it has been taken to the world court. So just wanted to point that out. Yes, Brother Rasan, I have to push back on you a little bit in that because, um, you know, the United Nations um, is a is a good um, platform for us to raise our our human rights concern and, and get support and allyship at the international level. However, it does not have, uh, as a body, doesn't have any enforcement power. So whatever the United Nations determines, the United Nations has already determined that we deserve reparations. It's still going to have to be implemented through Congress, through the United States government. And so that's, that's, that's why we, we go that route. We also do, and, and as you know, Queen Mother Dorothy Bent Lewis and others, you know, work with Silas Muhammad and go into those international meetings, and we still attend those international convenings and, and, and everything as well. But and that's to get the support of of those of, of other countries and to bring it outside the United States. Um, because a lot of times, I agree, we do agree that once you bring your issue outside of the United States, then it forces the United States to address it in a different way, as opposed to when you just keep it in in house. And so that is an important strategy, but it still has to be part two. Um, it still is going to have to go through Congress at some point because the United Nations doesn't have the power to enforce the United States to do anything. We've seen that many times when, you know, the United Nations has told the United States to do something and it didn't do it or to not to do something and it still did it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so um, I, I hear you. And where our focus is is making our claim for reparations and collecting our people. And not only collecting our people here nationally, internationally, it, it is an international issue. Uh, there was slavery throughout the slavery diaspora. And, and, and so what we're trying to do is reach out to our people and, and, and uh, 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 have them unify with us. And not only just for reparations, it's really uh, about self-determination. Because even if you get reparations without self-determination, is 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 is, uh, 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 is is what we're focusing on, which reparations is a part of that self determination, because it is our identity that has been stolen. That's what we're trying to what we're here to to build. So I, I understand your point, and 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 we'll have you know further dialogue, brother Jim. Okay. Yes, yes, sir. All right. Um, so yeah, let me bring in Minister Raheem. Out of uh, a town, out of um, Chicago, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And actually, um, because I've had Mr. Rashawn, I didn't really give him an opportunity to introduce himself or the introduction I gave him. So let's start out by you giving a little introduction of who you are and how you are connected to the Afro-descendant nation. Certainly. First, I'd like to thank you for asking me to be on your show. It's a pleasure to hear your voice again. Uh, since the first time we met in Atlanta, uh, pushing for um, us as Afro-descendants to uh, come together in the leadership conference 
that we might be all on one accord. Um, I am Minister Raheem Kassir-Atten. I'm the founder of the Temple of Mercy Association here in Chicago. Uh, we've been incorporated since 1990. Over 30 years, we've been an all-inclusive black conscious righteous movement dedicated to the upliftment of black people in America first and then the world. Um, I'm also an um, advisory board member of ABJ um, Community uh, Center, Community um, Community Service Center, under uh, the direction of uh, Pastor Victoria Brady, and I work on or am the um, the um, I guess I am the coordinator of the public safety program. I'm also a the president of the United Black American Progress Association, founded by Dr. Webb Evans. They call him Mr. Bad Black. I'm the president of that organization, and what we do is educate our black people on the tremendous need to buy black and circulate the dollars among ourselves and pool our resources. I've been the president now for eight years uh, since his demise in 2015. Um, so that's me. I'm also a musician. They call me the sax preacher. I've been performing throughout the United States. Sometimes I go out of the country. But other than that, I am an artist, musician, two CDs, um, three CDs, and a, uh, a um, what they call it, video, whatever they call it. That's out. But anyway, um, um, all I can say is that since the time that I met President Aquila, um, uh, Governor General Ajani, and uh, Vice President Kamal, believe that's how you say his name, I was introduced to them by Pastor Victoria Brady. Pastor Victoria Brady is a Christian uh, with Restoring Hope. My organization is an all-inclusive movement where we work with and deal with our brothers and sisters of all the denominations that they happen to be up under, that we might come together in the spirit of unity and oneness. I've been working with her for about uh, two and a half years now on unity and peace among our brothers and sisters in the community, addressing the gun violence, as well as being a part of and being in uh, those meetings where they talk about reparations and sovereignty and having our own name. I am a member of NCOBA, Chicago chapter, under Brother Cam Howard and Barbara Baker. I've been a member of NCOBA for about maybe 10, maybe 12 years. Um, so in the spirit of unity, I do get involved and join other people's organizations. We ask them that they join ours, and that is one of the steps toward unity in a unique way that we all are part of the other movement, which makes us all a part of the whole. So that's my take. And uh, as far as reparations, I stand behind our people on that, but I do understand that they only give reparations to um, actually other nations, uh, like the Chinese in China and other groups. Uh, they give it to nations and, and black people in America, uh, which who I call the 13th tribe, uh, who are uh, 
looked at as 13% of the population, but there was a commission that was put out by a governor in the state of Illinois called Governor Otto Kerner. And he named that commission, the Kerner Commission, that he wanted to find out what it was between black people and white people in the United States and, and really come back with the information. And the information that they came back with when they made their report was that there are two nations in America, one black, one white, separate, but unequal. Now, so they already recognize that we are a nation, but we are not a nation on paper. And we are so divided with each other that it's hard to get us to come up under a name. From my understanding, based on meeting Afro-descended our nation, or should I say the lost foundation of Islam, and what I learned since that time about what uh, the Abu Sayyid Muhammad has done to get uh, the word Afro, the name Afro-descended nation, uh, on the table in the United Nations, that they might recognize us as Afro-descendants, that that particular group have gotten us the closest to being recognized as a nation under that name and being the 194th uh, 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 country or, or, or nation being recognized. And if we don't get in line and get involved in it, well, it can be removed from the table, and then we all got to start all over again and try to at least get in the door of the United Nations. And that is the reason why I continue to work with the Afro-Descended Nation is because they and us and my, myself and Pastor Victoria being about unity and working with not only them but others, because the Afro-Descended Nation said, okay, we got to open up a little bit more. We got to figure out how can we get those who are not members of the Lost Found Nation involved in this and see that it's not us trying to make them Muslims or, or bring them into the uh, Lost Foundation of Islam, but we're trying to bring them to take upon themselves that name, Afro-descendant. And so they allowed us to be a part of different meetings that they're in to try to help edit and uh, restructure constitutions and different things that will make it more palatable for others and other religions and other uh, uh, ethnic and cultural backgrounds, not ethnic, but cultural backgrounds of black people to be able to receive and accept that name, Afro-descended, as our name, not black, not any of the others. And so I don't mind working with them on that project, and that's what we've been doing for a while, working with them, the Afro-descended nation, on trying to see how we can get other black people to get involved before it's too late. That is the closest we've gotten to being recognized as a nation to get our reparations and to be able to be among the 193 nations that are already recognized to where we would be able now to talk with other nations as a nation and begin to, um, uh, what you would call it, deal with commerce, deal with imports, export, exports, deal with uh, other nations, um, giving us money, not giving us money, but loaning us money to operate as a nation and be on our feet. That's the most I'll say because I don't know how much time I'm taking. I tried to say a lot in a little bit of time, 
But uh, well, you appreciate it. Actually, you you stopped at a good point because we're right at the halfway point of our show where we acknowledge that we've been listening to Black Talk Radio Network and we are listening to conversation reparations on the Black Talk Radio uh, Network. Did brother you Jamoke, play a commercial or? Yes, uh, yeah, um, I just want to say, based off the conversation had tonight, that both parties are right. Um, for a long time, being part of the new abolitionist movement, trying to abolish slavery, which was never abolished in the United States, the 13th Amendment created a different form of slavery. But for a long time, yes. I, my mind was closed to yes. other forms of slavery. But the UN Declaration of Human Rights recognizes there are different forms of slavery. You have state imposed slavery, like the U.S. federal government and state governments. Then you have privately, you know, uh, 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 private slavery in terms of corporations, private prisons, and then individual, individual can enslave another person. So there is different forms of slavery. And I set that up to say there are different forms of reparations. When you look at the definition of reparations, I'm going to just read um, both of them because there are two under, you know, in the same entry, the uh, reparation, the making of amends for a wrong one has done by paying money to or otherwise helping those who have been wrong. So the United States can and will, I'm just going to call those things to be as though they were until they manifest, but they will pay. The United States government will pay its victims of of slavery. And as the United uh, Nations uh, also stated that for, you know, Jim Crow and continue uh, police violence. And of course, I'm going to say continue slavery as well. The other form, what the gentlemen were bringing up is the other form of reparations, the compensation for war damage paid by a defeated state, like how Germany at the World War One and two had to pay to rebuild uh, Europe and pay those nations reparations. So you're both right. There, there are different forms of reparations. You know, uh, Barack Obama's administration paid reparations to about, it wasn't that many Jews um, for for something having to do with a corporation. Maybe they had U.S. contracts or something, but that administration paid those Jews, Obama administration, so you might well say the U.S. government, paid those Jews reparations. And, and of course, we know... Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that, but there's two different forms. Um, yeah, we're just going to take a 12-second station identification break and continue on the other side with Conversations Reparation, hosted by J- uh, Brother Jamoke. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. Brother Jamoke, we back. Yes, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. So um want to go back to you, Brother Rashan, because I realized, Minister Rashan, I realized that um, we we didn't, we talked about the term Afro-descendant, but didn't really go into depth about the formation of the Afro-descendant nation. And, you know, Minister Rahim talked about that, uh, you know, somewhat in his, you know, when he was talking, and I think, you know, you could maybe give us a more broader context sure. of, of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, uh, first, I wanted to just say that uh, uh, what Minister Rahim said, he said it beautifully. 
couldn't have said it better myself. Well, well stated. As well as the engineer, Brother Scotty. I, I'm not sure what your name, what his name was. Uh, uh, but, but great conversation. Uh, um, yeah, I think very, I probably should start introducing good. Brother Scotty Reed as the engineer of the show, as he also participates with me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, he sir. made some good points. But what we're doing is, is we, we have a nation of our own, the Apple Descent Nation. And we have the Afro-descendant government. We are practicing governing ourselves. Yes, we have our, our president, uh, President Akilah Mukaram, whom, whom I'm grateful here to, to be here representing uh, as her Minister of Foreign Affairs. Uh, we have senators. Uh, we, we, we have uh, uh, congressmen, congresswomen. We do. So what we're doing is practicing government. We're practicing having a government of our own. And we've been working with Minister Rahim, with Pastor B, with you, Brother Jamoke, and, and, and others. And we will continue to do that to build our government. Uh, we built this government. And we are a, a, a talented, beautiful, and diverse people. So we're, we're reaching out to our people to help us build this government, help us self-determine, determine our own destiny. And so uh, 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 we've been meeting now with different groups for, for, for some time now, two plus years, and, uh, uh, and, and we continue, we plan to continue to do that. Uh, you, you know, as I know, a government is, is evolving, forever evolving. You look at the United States, this government's what, over 200 years old and still making amends and still making changes, not necessarily for the better, but that's what we're here to do. So we're reaching out to our people to help us build this government because it, it's, it's a government for all, uh, regardless of your religion, regardless of your political views. We are all Afro-descendant. And so what we're doing with the Afro-descendant nation of the Afro-descendant government is actually practicing government because eventually we have to rule. We, we, we're gonna, we, we have to determine our own destiny. And so we're practicing that now based on truth based on that which is right, regardless of your religious or political views, this nation is for us all. Yes. And yes. And I, thank you, I'll thank you for that. You know, example. I was thinking about, you know, in, in, in also in further unity, I was thinking about, uh, you know, like the foundation of Encobra, because, you know, when Encobra was first um, put together or, or the call was put, to, you know, out there, you know the the people who who primarily came and, and to those early meetings were were black nationalists. They were people who believed in us having our own nation. Or as 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 Minister Rain said, we already are a nation. And 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 but actually, even you know, going deeper with that, like the the Republic of New Africa and other um, formations that you know. Um, Understand the importance of us forming ourselves as a nation, and even and then there were some who were interested in repatriation, but either one, either way, both of those are, you know, stronger measures of self-determination to go along with reparations. And I think that, yes. you know, in Cobra, you know, we strategically caught ourselves embracing those who wanted to not necessarily separate themselves and form, you know, our own nation and, and or repatriate. So that we could, you know, also, you know, as, as a form of unity, so that we could bring more people into the reparations movement. But at the core of Encobra, there's always been, um, you know, and I, I'm sitting here thinking about this. I might get mad if I say that, but at the core of Encobra, I'll still say, at the core of Encobra, at least at the founding anyway, was always <coughs> an understanding of the importance of nationhood 
and separation and or repatriation. So we are on the same page in terms of that. And, you know, we, we it, um, uh, Minister Rahim also mentioned that, you know, there was a conference and we could talk about uh, a summit as we talk about that a little bit. I was also part of the, some of the planning for that along with um, Pastor Victoria, yourself, um, Minister Shabazz, and, and Mr. Rahim, and we all um, worked on, on on this idea of bringing people together around this issue of Afro-descendants and around the issue of reparations. And, you know, we had the convening, and, you know, it wasn't what we all wanted it to be. However, you know, we're going to continue to, you know, uh, organize and, and, and work in terms of bringing in more people and bringing in, um, you know, creating more unity with our people uh, around this idea of self-determination and reparations. And, I was just wondering if maybe uh, as, um, Pastor Victoria got on the call. Do we know? I do. I do okay. not see her telephone number as of yet. If she's on and call okay. from a different number, please press one. Okay. All right. All right. I just want yeah. to touch on one thing about our, our differences. Yeah, that that's something that that we shouldn't let come between us. For instance, myself, I will always believe in the teachings and master for Rod Muhammad of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Silas Muhammad. I will until I die. However, if someone else has a different belief, that shouldn't prevent us from working together, especially if we have the same goal towards self-determination. Uh, uh, so that, and, 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 and if you look at, even in our daily practices, you work, many of us that, that have jobs that are a part of communities, we don't all agree, don't all have the same religion, but we find ways to work together. Why can't we do that for ourselves? And I know you already understand that, Jim, okay? But this is for the listening audience. We have to stop letting those things come between us. This is about our self-determination. It's about us coming together. And uh, despite our differences, our different political, our different political views. And, and, and that's something that we're practicing now, Jim, okay, uh, us, yourself, or Pastor D, and other organizations. So uh, I just wanted to kind of touch, touch on that. And, um, Mr. Rain, you wear a whole lot of hats. I uh, just wondering how do you do all of that and, 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 and still um, bring people to the reparations table? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good question. I, even though I wear those hats, I do have a little help uh, that whereby I can delegate people to different meetings and things like that. Um, a lot of the members of TOMA uh, follow me in being involved in other organizations, uh, such as the United Black American Progress Association. Two of the members of TOMA are in that organization. Uh, two of, uh, three of the ministers in TOMA are members of the UNIA, United Negro Improvement Association, uh, chapters 429 and 401 here in Chicago. I'm a member of Chapter 429 working with Clyde Banks. Um, also, I'm a member, like I said, of Encova. None of the members of um, the Temple of Mercy are in are in Encova, in, in but they are members of the United Black American Progress Association that are members of Encova. And so they all bring back the information. When I have my meetings uh, with them, and that's how I stay up on what's going on. And we all fighting the same battle, so it's really not hard if you're fighting on the same front. We're either fighting police brutality, gun violence, or some sort of oppression 
that this government has placed on us. And it's been the same since I've been born. <laughs> it hasn't changed. So that's what makes it not so hard uh, because we all fighting on the same front. All right, all right. Yes, that's an important um, thing to do, you know, to try to um, support different organizations and, and be active and keep up with what's going on and show your allegiance to different groups. Because, so, like I said, we're all fighting the same battle, and, um, you know, people just have different strategies on, on how to get there. But, but, but yeah. the end game is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, Brother Scotty, I had um, sent you a couple of clips. Um, are you able to maybe just play a little bit of the uh, second clip I sent you? There's a part two, uh, Apple Dissemination. Oh, uh, yes. Give me a second to jump into my email and find it. Okay. And uh, why, oh, why can I have something I could, Could I add something time, real quick while he's, he's queuing it up? Sure, sure. Uh, I was just going to say that the blueprint has somewhat has already been set. Let's look at the Jewish people. You know, slavery, well, first of all, slavery was an international issue, you know, that during that time it was throughout the slave diaspora. But what the Jews did, the Jewish people did, was they made their issue an international issue to support white world unity. And I don't see why our issue would be any different than the Jews. That's just, just another case that I'm making. But there were some things I did want to touch on while he's queuing that up, just some, some major points to remember. One is our identity is Afro-descendant. The other is, is it's recognized already internationally and being used by people of African descent around the world. The, a government is the apparatus used to receive reparations. Our government's name, the Afro-descendant nation. Reparations is paid from one government to another. And then this other thing is that we are right now in the general resurrection. We are coming to the mental and spiritual awareness or achievement of mind while we are living. This is our day. This is our time. This is the general resurrection. Thanks. And, and when you say capital independent nation, just so everybody's clear, you're talking about um, all of people of, of African descent in the diaspora. So, like, what is it, like 250 million is the number? Hmm? It's 250 million. Thank you for pointing that out, Jamil okay. Absolutely. All two of the So this is our Governor General, I believe, Governor General uh, 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 Johnny um, speaking at a, at a conference a few years back. I, I'm still trying to get it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had oh. to pull it up on a, uh, on my on on this computer, and it's running a little slow in order for y'all to be able to hear it. But I got the email now. Um, you said part two. Now this is a thirty minute video. How far do you want me to let it go? Yeah, just about um eight minutes, I guess. Okay. Let me get that queued up for you all. And uh here we go. October the th- October what? Thirty first. Halloween. <laughs> but if you see all the little black kids, what who's cold? That's not mine. <laughs> We were made into a new people. Yes, sir. Mm. So why do we need a political identity? Over the past 460 years, Afro-descendants' identity has changed. Some former identities include nigger, mm-hmm. negro, mm. color, mm. 
Afro-American, Black, African-American. We've been all those names. Yes, sir. Haven't we? Yes, sir. And the sister told me, what do you mean lost found? I ain't never been lost. Who else have had this many name changes? Yes, sir. When has the Chinese been other than Chinese? When has the Korean been other than Korean? Huh? When has the brother in Iran who's saying I'm an Iranian been other than Iranian? But you and I in America, the United States of America, and over there in Brazil, you've been nigger, Negro, that might be unique. Yeah. The miseducation of the Negro. Carter G. Woodson, didn't he? Yes, and then color. NAACP, the National Alliance for the Advancement of what kind of people? Colored Color people. So we, we this we gone through this. Right. That's can't, right. That's can't nobody say we did. So, 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 say it now. Black and brown. I like that. <laughs> Why we got rid of that? We had some movement going with that. <laughs> Maybe that's why. What, what comes after? After Oh, that's too strong. Right. Well, let's switch that one up. I mean, white folks switch that. Said call them African American. That kind thing. Boy, they talking about Black Panther Party and they talking about unity and they talking about white men used to cut. Uh-uh, that's too strong. <laughs> As my baby boy would say. Uh-uh. We can't let them do it. Uh-uh. We can't let them do it. <laughs> Change that one up. Because they brought too much power. Too much mobility. So we've gone through the, all these different names. Yes, sir. And according to according to one of the professors who was writing, and I think he was writing for Mr. Muhammad, Professor Siminski. I hope I'm saying his name right. He says, according to that Article 25, your culture, your religion, your language, he says, a person's language, but not just any language, their mother tongue, intimately ties them to their identity. Yes, sir. A person's language, as brother says, say it one more time. A person's language, but not just any language, their mother tongue, intimately ties them to their identity. So a person speaks Mandarin. What are they? Chinese, right? A person speaking Korean, what are they? Yeah, right? A, per a person speaking Yoruba. That's right. Intimately tied. A person speaking English. <laughs> we white. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> 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 right. 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 You see, they made us and they tricked the UN to the UN. Say, I thought y'all were Americans. Uh, Wait, why? You th wonder why we let? Don't blame us. You were, you were the one talking about. I'm African American. <laughs> Your language intimately ties you. So you hear the brothers speaking. Arabic, you know where they're from. Yes, sir. It, 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 it is true. And I think the professor wrote it for Mr. Muhammad because he sure jumped on it and came back. And he said, when we, when we, when we went over to uh, Santiago, Chile, he said, tell them that we didn't come to the Americas 
as Anglo-Americans, mm -hmm. speaking English and practicing Christianity. But also tell them that we didn't go to to Brazil as Portuguese speaking, mm. practicing the Brazilian culture. Mm. And also tell them that we didn't go to Colombia as Spanish speaking, mm. practicing the Anglo Spaniards culture. Because mm. he he had gotten the message. Connect all of us. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty million is a stronger message than forty million. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need help. The, 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 it, we need a peg on every one of those umbrellas, and we need to make the umbrella as big as the city of Chicago. We got we got so many black people who have power and growth and unity and can stand up like Chief can and demand we're going in this direction. Not one of us, Prince. When I came here, I was 28 years old. You were a young man when I first met you, very young. And, 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 and you still got the fire. You still got the strength. You haven't lost the mission. Time. It's time for us to get this thing done. Yes. Don't you want to see it? Absolutely. Don't we owe it to the prince? Don't we have to see it? That's right. And this is the best program for us. A name that we decided. <laughs> we can say, well, they decided over in South America. We just gave definition to it. That we can get 250 million people going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But not only do you need All right. what brother said. Well, we go ahead and bring that to a close now. Yeah, so I just thought that would be good to bring in. We always usually bring in some, some video clip some um, to edify the show that we're doing and came across that piece, which I thought was good. And um, so we'll just um, give you all some closing remarks. You want to um, give us some re closing remarks, Brother Raheem, as we come to the end of the show, and, and you can follow follow him, uh, Minister Shabazz. Yes, sir. Sure. Yes. Uh, well, for one, I like your show, uh, Brother Jamoke. You have a, a show that uh, I would hope would, would uh, gain prominence among the uh, iPod um shows that I've been listening to because this is information our people need. Uh, and so you got a great show. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, I'm glad to be on again with uh, the foreign minister. I did meet him in Atlanta. We had a very, very long talk. They want him to know I'm going to be getting in contact with him based on some things we talked about and discussed. And Absolutely. looking forward to meeting with you all again if there's going to be a second uh, I wasn't a Convention, but a second uh, summit. What did we call it? Summit. Summit, I think. Coming up. Summit, yeah. And preferably we can get those people who started with us to stay with us to the end by uh, this time around. And, 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 and we just can't give up. Rest if you must, but quit. I mean, rest if you must, but don't quit. Rest if you must, but don't quit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. Uh, Jamoke, I wanted to thank you for allowing me to, to be on. Uh, thank you, listening audience uh, out there. Uh, I'm also thankful to be on to represent the president of the Afro-Descendant Nation, Akila Mukaram. Uh, it's time for our rise. This is the general resurrection. It's time for us to unify based on truth and build our government and build our nation. Nation building, is, that's not new to us. We built this nation. And we continue to build it. And not just build it physically. We build it with our intellect. 
We built this nation with our ideas. How many times have we come up with an idea uh, or an invention that was stolen or someone else took claim for it? We built it with our creativity. We have everything we need to build our nation. Let's come together, build this nation, build this government, and take our life for place in this country. Thank you. All right. Yes, yes, yes. I appreciate that. You know, um, I, I was thinking about that, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, I, I, I share with people when we talk about nation building that, you know, the talent that we have in the United States, and it, even if we just limited to the United States for a minute, just the talent that we have in the United States, if we were um, unified as a nation, the, you know, we, 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 we have the top engineers and scientists and doctors and, 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 and creative minds and artists that influence culture. And, you know, we, we would be one of the most dynamic countries on the planet, you know. Um, and, and, you know, even just recently I saw Brother um, Superway, who also was a part of the um, summit, you know, he had posted on, on, on Facebook how um, most, uh, the largest number of, of gold medals, actually the largest number of medals, period, in the Olympics, gold, silver, and bronze, went to the diaspora and African nations. Um, which is interesting because when you think about the Olympics, we always think about like the United States and China getting most of most of the medals. But um, and I need to get the details of that graphic that he had, but it looked like he combined the African nations with the diaspora. And we came out on top with the most medals uh, in every category. So, I mean, it's not surprising. It's just, you know, it's who we are. And so, you know, we just have to have that nation consciousness to go along with it to, so that we can um, move in a different way, in a different force and different power in, in, on this um, planet. You're trying to say something that you um Scotty? No. Oh, was somebody trying to say something? I was bearing witness. I was bearing, I was bearing witness to what you were saying. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, give thanks. Um, again, that excerpt was from um, Governor General Johnny McCrum, if I'm pronouncing that right. And, um, and so we are coming to a close now to uh, conversation reparations. We've had a Good show discussing Afro-descendant nation, and and actually I was talking about the history of Encobra. Encobra was actually founded. Um, um, one of the first convening meetings was in September, so we're, um, I'm thinking about putting together a show coming up in, in September with some of the founding members of Encobra, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about um, how Encobra came into existence and get some of the history of Encobra as well as the current work that we, we are currently engaged in. But again, um, it's been a great show. We've uh, been uh, our guest, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister Rashawn Shabazz, and we've been working together over the years in Encobra, with Encobra and the Lost Foundation, working together, as well as um, Minister Raheem Atan, that I've just recently come to know, and we've been working together as well. And he works with my crew up there in Chicago, with um, Brother Cam Howard and Barbara Baker. So um, good to hear that. And so we've been listening to, co and also thank my engineer, Brother Scotty Reed, who, um, who couldn't do this show without his, his assistance. And so you've been listening to Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations. And you can reach Encobra at encobraonline.org. 
That's N-C-O-V-R-A and CobraOnline.org. You can reach me directly at reparationsj at gmail.com. That's reparations, the letter J, at gmail.com.